This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, and with me, Cam Rastan, today we have the returns of, they are both producers at BFM, one in the morning and one in the, well, not so morning. He is, uh, with the morning run, he is Simwe Boon. Hi, thanks for having me again. And she is Sabrina Yusuf, but which department are you with now, Sabrina? Uh, video team, yes. I do oh. videos for the station. Okay, we got sound and vision, which, yeah. which might be my first David Bowie reference today. Oh, you two don't know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you'll learn. Um, our three topics this week are, topic number one is recording artists having to make TikTok uh, videos and viral videos. Topic number two is uh, meaning is overrated. And finally, topic number three is discovering self through the internet. I think I got that right. So, uh, Sim, viral videos and TikToks. Yeah, so mainly I wanted to talk about this is because um, I think a couple of weeks ago, Halsey, who is a uh, female singer, she posted on TikTok complaining about how um, she has a song that she wants to release, but her record label says that she has to make a TikTok video about it or go viral first before releasing that video or that song. And this has kind of like caused somewhat of a reaction between, you know, of other artists chipping in as well, FK Twigs and all these other artists, Ed Sheeran, 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 that guy with the red hair, all saying that like, yeah, you know, my record label says that I have to do viral, I have to post all this, I have to do eight posts a week and all stuff like that. So it kind of like triggered this conversation about like going viral and, you know, uh, having to do all these things that are not... Um, align or you know have anything to do with just them being musicians right um but of course at the same time there are those that are like you know like what's what's the big deal right i mean it's part of the job you know i mean the irony of halsey complaining about being viral which then itself became viral is somewhat interesting in fact there are those that said like maybe that was the marketing plan to begin with because people are you know these companies these TikTok these, these marketing firms they're very sophisticated now you know you might think sometimes it's cringy but they actually might think so there's this self-depreciating or complaining meta where you know by default because Halsey's complained about it um, yeah people have eyeballs on her people are like you know they're going to be looking out for that when that, that, that controversial song drops right so yeah I just want to talk to you guys especially you know Sabrina who's much younger and you who is of a more vintage yeah, More vintage ever music, thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Where I think, you know, one would think that there is differences in how musicians were being um, presented, treated, marketed. Uh, but I actually think it isn't really that different because in my my time was more NTV, MTV age, right? Where music videos were really a thing. And there were, I know, and I re remember reading on Rolling Stones and all this, right, of bands complaining that like it's selling out if you do video I'm, I'm never going to do a music video you know why is my record label making doing music video so i just i view this as like um this is just the next version of you know having to do music video yeah but sabrina can i can i ask you i mean you're you're in the video department i mean <laughs> can you just make a viral video i mean it doesn't work like that no i think sometimes i mean it's i mean for me it's always hard to gauge some things, whether they, how they perform online in an online space. Sometimes when 
you try a lot, but it doesn't happen. Sometimes it does happen. Sometimes when it's just something that you don't really think about, suddenly it blows up and then it becomes like this thing that's bigger than what it's supposed to be. Um, so just, just viral as a concept is still hard for me to grasp um, because what people like and what people see are changing all the time. Uh, but also, I don't, it's, it's definitely not nice to see, you know, how artists like Halsey and, you know, FK2 have been talking about. Obviously, it's affecting them in, in such a way, right? So it, it's like a negative feeling to be able to do something you don't really want to do or you're not really into doing, but you still want to share your craft out there, right? But you see, here's where I come in, you know, but they're rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're rich. Yeah. They're really rich, <laughs> and they have people to help them to do this, right? So it's work. She might be, but but the vast majority of recording artists are not. I mean, the industry has changed. The way that you you make money. Once upon a time, you could make money from the recorded music from the album. You'd make the bulk of your money from that. Mm. Now that is just not the case. So she would presumably make her money from uh, live gigs. Yeah. Yeah. So she needs to get people to go to see go to see her. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you have to get people to want to see you at first, right? So you need yeah. to market yourself, right? I mean, I understand the work pressures and I'm not saying that, you know, record labels are to be sympathized and I I, I do think they care about the artists, but from a perspective of like this is a product and I need my product to perform well. But the record labels have sacked whole departments that used to do the marketing because they don't make as much money as they used to. And so now the artists need to do their own PR and advertising. No, that's because that's because I think young people are smart enough to at least perceive when a marketing tactic is hmm. cringy or disingenuous, yeah. right? And a lot of times these marketing departments, maybe of the more traditional and the more kind of like... Um, vintage, vintage Vintage age, right? The way they would market an artist is a bit different than a new age, right? You know, now marketing, when it comes to something like art and uh, musicians, right? It, it has to take a new form, right? You need to be in the pulse. You need to know your TikTok and whatnot and, you know, whatever language. The problem is it's so fast-paced. So that, that might be very hard. So, you know, I think labels might have sacked an entire department of marketing. That's because they also have hired new marketers, but it's under the umbrella term of like digital content or 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 or, or social media and stuff like that, right? Yeah. I think that the issue is when like maybe maybe like um when the record label tells you to do something that you think is uh not aligned with your aesthetics or you know, not aligned with what you think would be great, what would be good or receptive, right? That then then I think that's valid, right? But you know, record labels are chasing the data, they're chasing the numbers, right? They know that like okay, you know, if my artist is just going to be releasing songs on a scheduled basis and just doing posters or live gigs, right? She will get eyeballs. She will get people listening to songs, but only so far, right? You know, I need her to do, I need him or her or the band to do more. You know, I need them to be viral on Twitter, on TikTok, because my job as the record label is to sell albums, right? Yeah. Is to well, make, no, no, it's not so, well, yeah, kind of. Downloads make a pittance compared to what they used to. Yeah, of course. But uh, Sabrina, I mean, what, 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 does any of the does it work for you? Any of these things? I don't want to, I don't want to throw in the word authentic. Isn't that what people are looking for? I think I, I think that's the thing also because it's easy to look down on things that young people are into because it's weird, it's lame, or like it's a little bit strange. It's a little bit out there. TikTok is a whole new thing even to me um, as a 25, 26 year old. So I, I think it's just like being um, open enough to 
experience and share certain things in new ways, like for example, a viral TikTok video, doesn't mean that it's taking away from the value, taking away from like um, how good that song is, but it, it, you're still just sharing it in a different way, in a way that more and more people would want to um, interact with it or listen to in it. In like 10 seconds of that song. 30 seconds maybe, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, probably. But I do think I do think that these TikToks and social media has influenced how music's been created now because I do believe that a sizable amount out there or at least directions from the record label would be or the producers would be to say to frame the song like oh if you're gonna make a song make sure that it's three minutes and make sure that if we can we can cut a good one minute portion or yeah. thirty seconds portion so that they can compartmentalize it for videos and like you know so when they they look at it from that technical aspects and that might take away some of the life of you know creating a song because you want to create a song right but i think that's always been a battle with musicians and whoever that distribute the musicians uh product yeah for decades you know you prior to this is making the song right for radio in the time timing right so yeah yeah but but also in terms of selling as well i mean i heard of a, a an author recently in the uk who the Publishers didn't want to take her book because she didn't have enough Twitter followers. Mm. Yeah, they 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 would ask straight off, "How many Twitter followers do you have?" Because they want they want the author and the recording artist and whoever to do the bulk of their promotion for them. Mm. Actually, some people would say the same of like our film industry or like our TV. Yeah, there was yeah. a whole there was, there was a whole, whole thing about, about it. You have to have a million followers to yeah. be a superstar or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like and then you know if. So that you're you're you can promote your show without mm. having to. <laughs> but I think on when team. when those that decide that right say that right, it's dodgy already because not dodgy lah because what I interpreted for them right is then that, that just means that you're not good enough to help the artists that you're pursuing develop their social media following right. If it's let's say like the Twitter, the 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 publisher right, if it was a good book right, and if the publisher had good editors and look and knew knows the value of the book right. You can work with the publisher like, look, okay, great. But we also need to promote you and we have to do social media. You don't have enough followers, but let's work together to create that following, right? Yeah, you Rather would have thought like, so, yeah. But it doesn't work like that. They've even gotten rid of the editors as well. So they, they want you to hand in a, a fully finished piece and all they'll do is basically print it and then you promote it yourself as well. Do you think this is also because with internet, with social media almost everyone or anyone, there's an excess of supply, meaning you have writers, you have musicians out there, no matter, you know, it's a lot. Whereas, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, it's a bit harder to find musicians and authors as you can find it today, right? So when publishers and record labels kind of like write you off as saying that you don't have enough followers, it's because we can just find another person that have enough followers Yeah, yeah. the yeah. next day, right? Whether the good the book is good or not, we can always find another good book yeah. The next day, right? So it's also an excess of supply thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. We must move on. Uh, but I'm going to challenge uh, Sabrina to make a uh, viral TikTok video of this section. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I said uh, that I'll right. I'll work on it. <laughs> dance. Already, dance already working on it. It's my, it's my job. <laughs> okay. Um, so topic number two is meaning is overrated. Actually, this follows on from a few weeks ago. Sabrina was on the show. And I, I talked about... Um, watching um, reaction videos, watching people on mm. YouTube who listen to music and watching their reactions. Sabrina and uh, Julian Yap, who's on it, had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I, because I, I want to I try and work out what is the gap between why am I unable to appreciate 
uh, music. Obviously, I love Halsey. My God. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I kind of think I found one thing, which is that from these reaction videos, when people don't like the music, they tend to focus on the lyrics. And time after time, they'll say, what does it mean? What does this mean? And I want to scream back, it means nothing. It is meaningless. Um, if any of you know the lyrics to <clears throat> the Beatles, I am the walrus, it's, you know, I am the Eggman, they are the Eggmen, I am the walrus, goo 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 goo. It means nothing. But the very fact that the artist has stepped forward to to conjure up something that means nothing, in a sense, it, it builds a landscape and you sort of inhabit that landscape. And, and I took a deep dive into hip hop, uh, Sim. You'd be very yeah, proud of me. Let's go. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the names of any of the things I listened to. And it was very random. But I, I realized that um, uh, African American music, I think historically, everything that I listened to was about what it was about, lyrically. Um, it, it was statements. And, and that's fine. Because I think that, you know, the African American experience does, probably doesn't have the luxury of being able to have meaningless. Words. But there are meaningless rap songs out there, and I have to admit that I do sometimes might enjoy them more than lyrically focused uh, music rap musicians as well, because sometimes it can get a bit too um, on the nose. It, not on the nose. I think for me, it, you know, music comes in waves, right? It, you know, you 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 experience it differently throughout the day, throughout your life, and throughout experiences that. There are times where maybe you're in a mood that you're looking for meaning from your uh, song, right? You know, you just go through a breakup or um, sure. it's, it's it's Father's Day or whatnot, right? You know, then when you listen to that song that connects with you, right? The lyrics, obviously, if it speaks to you, then you find meaning in it, right? But sometimes it's, it's like after this, you know, sometimes you just want to let go, you don't care or you just want background music, right? At times are that meaning though. That's why there is that's why I'm a fan of um just experimental or just ambient music, right? Where there's no lyrics, there's no singing. Mm. It's just mm -hmm. nice background music, you know? And that's why people like jazz and all, right? I mean, what are you gonna tell me that this jazz song explains to you, writes out some lyrical meaning to you, right? Not really, right? It's just these subjective interpretations that you take, right? So you know, I I do agree, tend to agree that sometimes meanings are quite overrated and, and you know. If it's meaningless, it's meaningless. Like, you don't, don't overthink it. Just enjoy yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. So, Sabrina, are you, uh, uh, where, where do you fall in the meaning stroke, not meaning? Uh, it's weird because I studied literature in uni uh, where even when it's meaningless, it means something yeah. in its meaninglessness. And it can, you know, something can mean everything and nothing at the same time. <laughs> so sometimes I just find myself in that whole cycle, you know, trying to figure out whether... Um, not only what something means um, as it's created, what the meaning was intended to be, and also on top of that, what does it mean to me as a person in my experiences and how I relate to it. Um, I tend to just, like, my life hack is just to, like, if it's, if it gets to, sometimes it's just not that deep. Let's just listen to the music yeah, and, I you mean, know, reflect beats, at a later time. Good, just, just enjoy the beats, right? Like, yeah, because yeah. I, I find myself becoming, I'm actually more productive when I'm listening to music, uh, when I'm working, when I listen to music that does not have lyrics. So I listen to a lot of, like, house music when mm, I'm working, yeah. when I'm editing, because I don't have to pay attention to lyrics. Like, even if it's, like, an enjoyable song, I'm like, there are no lyrics for me to sing along to or jam out to. So I do my work better that when I'm not singing uh, the song that I'm listening to, for example. 
it's the same with art sometimes, right? Yeah. Where yeah. A, a picture, uh, a painting, right? Doesn't really have to have meaning. It just needs to look nice. Well, yeah, uh, well, yeah. Well, right, but nice, nice is subjective, right? <laughs> well, what yeah, you nice. think is nice. I mean, like the, the painting nice, is just right. of a bowl of sunflowers. Um, that's the meaning. But you know, it's and it's not even really nice. But it's kind of glorious. Yeah, but then then there's no need to overthink it. If it's a picture of sunflowers, it's just a picture of sunflowers, right? But then you sometimes some people will critique it in a sense where like, what do these sunflowers mean? Are we the sunflowers? Well, no, you I know? wouldn't say that. But it's like you put on suddenly a, a, a different pair of glasses and the whole universe looks completely different. <clears throat> and you see the glory of colour and the madness of colour. But I, um, we're talking about music and then Sims uh, brought in art. What about, and, and, and Sabrina mentioned literature. What about in films and literature and the like? You kind of would expect that you would understand it from beginning to end because otherwise you'll get very bored and you'll get lost. But one of my favorite, my favorite book that I've read was Little Dorrit by, by Charles Dickens. And at the end of it, it's a big, thick book. I actually have no idea what it was about. I mean, I, I loved every second of it. And yet I think back, it's like, I, I, have, I have no clue. What? But did you enjoy it? I did. And it sticks with me. There are moments that stick with me. I think we attach our own meanings to certain things when we can't find what it was meant to be, right? Like... For example, what was the author intention or was there even an intention in the author for you to take meaning from it or take his meaning from it or to derive your own meaning out of what he's written? So for me, like the way I consume certain things and find meaning from it, like I for a while, I haven't been like um, occupying myself with things that require me to use my brain because hmm. I'm already using my brain a lot like for work or whatever so like I just watch like you know stupid shows or like YouTube stuff so the meaning is that I have a good time that's fine um, until I have to go and do and like really be critical about things and what message is it giving me and how what am I taking from it and what are other people taking from it whether it's harmful or whether it's not um, I think certain things you do kind of have to like be a bit um, more critical of what it means or what it's intended to mean. And other things you kind of just like see the space it exists in in that context. So what does it mean there? You know, yeah, yeah. rather than a larger, you know, people taking um, things out of it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, we're going to move on, but I must take the opportunity then to follow on from Sabrina and make my second David Bowie mention because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I loved about Bowie was his ability to create uh, meaningless landscapes. It was visually uh, gripping, but when you actually really start to think about it, it made no sense. But you could sort of imagine yourself in that space. And, um, you know, it's like, anyway, meaning is overrated. So, so what did you just mean by that? <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> yeah. you no, know, I'm glad we don't talk without meaning i'm glad we do make sense when we talk so it isn't just gibberish but um, i don't or is it i don't know anyway in a moment though <laughs> we're going to be uh, looking at how uh, the internet affects sense of self here on a bit of culture bfm 89.9 and we're back with myself cam rustland sim way boon and sabrina yusuf and now sabrina the internet and sense of self mm. um Okay, so the bigger, I guess the bigger, bigger idea of this is just like the idea of being perceived, right, as a person who exists 
And the internet has kind of made that so much bigger. The scale is just like unthinkable. It was unthinkable like a few decades ago even. Um, so, and, and what got me into this sort of um, hole is that I saw this video of this person who was describing something like, never in history have we as a society been exposed to so many faces and information and beautiful faces at once. So what does that do to your own self-image, right, and your psychology and how you view yourself? But, yeah, so because you can't quite... You can't quite escape it, too. Like, everything everything has your face in it. You need to have a profile picture. When you submit some things, you have to do your photo or whatever and all that stuff. And uh, the way that technology has given us so much control over how we present ourselves to people, like, you know, how we select our shots and our angles and what photos. Even if you don't consider yourself to be, like, a person who takes a lot of photos, you still want, you don't want to put, like, a weird thing um, out there that, that you don't want to, be you don't want yourself to be represented as even if you put a funny cat meme as your profile photo that's how you want to be represented as it's still like a conscious decision right so so like to me now it's becoming such an overwhelming thing to think about and obviously you know maybe it's not the same for some people but like I dwell on like the 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 self that I put out there and the self that my family friends and my coworkers see really is me so like it there's like a like a yeah, I don't know. So it's kind of well, like a disconnect uh, so, Trudy, or, can I, can or I ask something. <laughs> what you're saying also, do you think that's it's a different thing for men and for women? Oh, definitely. I think I'm for sure being per- perceived online. Yeah, might definitely. Be worse I mean, for even women. even the way I guess that's all encompassing lah. Because even in in real life, it's it's different too, right? The way you're treated and the way you, the way you speak also is 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 kind of like it changes when you're speaking to a, a different person. Mm. But like, I realize like. Because as a kid, you know, even during the early days of the internet and social media, you know, MySpace and LiveJournal and Blogspot and all that stuff, MSN, Messenger, I used uh, Friendster. <laughs> I was um, a lot more, I was bolder and braver, more keen to express myself how I want to and more keen to make connections with people and make friends and pen pals and, you know, and, and make connections and all that. But um, somewhere along the way of growing up, I created this carefully curated older future version of myself that I want to be in the same way that I create my online avatars or, you know, how I dress up my game characters or the words that I use when I talk to people on online forums and things like that. So that becomes, like, without realizing it, it becomes an ideal that I wanted to aspire to. As a protection? I don't know because because it's not just in the way I look, but it's also in the way that I speak and the opinions that I have and the things that I like, the music I listen to, or, or the things that I watch. You know, it, it, without realizing, I wanted it to be something that people wanna. I, I crafted it in a way that there is a third person looking in, so I want to make online sure online self, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but then it becomes like. Who am I? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. really. <clears throat> well, yeah, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I was young once. <laughs> um, I, I just want to mention there's this uh, psychologist called Eric Erickson. He's dead now. And um, he posited that there were, I think, seven, seven stages in life. And that five of them happened before the age of 27. And after the age of 27, you've only got two left. And and I, I read the books and, I, and it, it makes sense to me. A lot happens when you're, you're 
up up to that the age of twenty seven that you're you're finding out who you are, where how you fit, and and it can or cannot make sense. And I can imagine, yeah, the pressures with the internet. It's it's this this image that's spread around the world. It's kind of crazy. But Sim, you're you're the most well groomed person. Well groomed, <laughs> you are. You are. I didn't shift today, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, person I know, you 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 take care of your look. Um, did what does what Sabrina say resonate with you? I I think uh, I understand what she's going through, and I think I know where she's coming from. You know, I went through. I think this social media conversation is inevitable. I think as we head towards the future, right? Like having an online self is going to be synonymous with having an identity. You know, and it's up to you to look at the good and bad of it, right? You can't avoid it because in the future for work, and even now for work, right, you need an online presence, right? When you are being interviewed or when someone wants to hire you, they're going to Google you. They're going to look up your Twitter, whatever, social media to see whether is this person problematic? How do they look like? What are they experience? Are they being genuine with me, right? So it's up to you to how to create your online image mm. to the point where people... I mean, rewinding back 30 years, right? It's not your online self, but it's, the, 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 it's still the self that you put out. Right. You if you meet someone thirty years ago, let's say you are looking for a date or partner, right? And you meet someone and you know that that someone might know a friend or two or you have overlapping circles, right? You'd be tempted to ask, like, how is this person like, right? And that person might not know that person's real self. They've only seen that person's portrait self. All of us put on a mask, all of us put on a what we want to say the best of us out there, right? And it's natural, it's human instinct just to, you know, project a a self that is socially accepted within the cultural norms or towards an image of how you'd like to be perceived. You can't help it but to do that. There are those that might that push against that, but that's a small part of society, right? So what you're seeing now with the internet is just that it's being really democratized and everyone can do that, right? Well, or is it democratized or is it a kind of um a kind of fascism, you know? I mean you're a slave to it. Anyone can put up any photo they want. Yeah, but then you're being photo, you're right? being judged by by people around the world. Uh, Sabrina, I mean... You, you, you go out, you go out, prior to being online, you go out and you put on clothes, right? Whatever clothes that you put on that you choose to represent yourself, right? Anyone can choose anything. I mean, the cultural norms that guys would dictate or have a pressure on what you should wear. But ultimately, if you choose during the 70s to wear a leather jacket with studs there while everyone else was in... Oh, maybe the 60s, sorry. While everyone was, else was in a floral shirt, Right. You know, mm. you want to be. That's your. You're putting on, right? This is the image I want to do. Sure, yeah, I yeah, want yeah, yeah. To, yeah. So it's just the same now with not the same, but an evolution now with your online identity, right? And because it's online, you can just you can show more than just the clothes you wear. You can show the books you read. You can show um, the movies you watch, right? Because by on your internet profile, you can change. Which can all be building up to a lie, a great big lie. <laughs> everyone lies, but everyone lies, right? Is this where the what yeah. is the point of the lie, uh, right? Well, I mean, well, Sabrina, you 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 were saying earlier you've you've created a persona which is this sort of future, I guess, machi Sabrina. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> sure. I don't know. I don't. Know. Every time it's just like something like added on. So are you? But are you comfortable? Are you are you comfortable with? I don't know who you are online, and is that different from mm. who you you are? Mm, hmm, hmm. It's it's interesting because even as a person, person generally every day, am I comfortable with myself? I don't know, you know. So there's a whole other thing of like, because okay, so now I haven't been as online as I've been um, maybe a few years ago, um, and part of it is like 
trying to detach myself from those pressures because when it's online it's it's out there in in perpetuity yeah. <laughs> and and you know your digital footprint is just like everywhere i can't run from my my space self so <laughs> even if i were to like do like normal things as a person today it's like ah it, this is what how am i going to feel about this like 10 years from now it's so stupid to think about because i'm just one person i'm not even like anybody you know like i was just thinking is it like conceited or narcissistic to be thinking about this all the time and i'm also like but narcissists don't think they don't have to worry about being they narcissist. don't even think about that <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't think, think about that <laughs> they don't go through that struggle right? yeah they're like fine yeah. okay cool whatever you know but you're the generation where eventually one day quite probably possibly you're going to have kids and even grandkids and they if the internet lives that long will be able to say oh my god you you did what on january 5th <laughs> uh, you, know? <laughs> you know but you see you see that's it's a scale thing you know because like I think when we're, you know, like maybe in the older, right, you know, you still would be able to discover weird stories about your parents or grandparents if you talk to your family or if you read a paper somewhere, right? It's just that maybe you won't know it as instant and you won't know it if it wasn't like really... I mean, the the past will always be in the past and there will always be some record of it. It's just that maybe with the online age... Um, it's more easier to find. But I don't think any young person, my children or anything, is going to be like, what was that like in 1993? Like that, yeah, but may- maybe what we need to do then is to periodically scrub the memory. Mm. Um, internet memory. I don't know, every, say, 20, 30 years. But you see, the that's whole the thing, thing right? just goes. It just sounds like then you are forced to be perfect, right? Yeah, but, that, but isn't that what Sabrina, isn't that what you're saying, Sabrina? Do you feel, do you feel a pressure to be perfect? Yep. Well, I think you're, you're young, you will feel that, whether you're online or not. There's always yeah, the but, pressure but, but, but to But this is public in. perfection. Yeah, so now, like, you know how Facebook shows you memories, right, from a few yeah, years yeah, ago? Yeah. And then every time, it ha- every time they give me a notification, I will click on it and then be like, hmm, I will set, it will be like something I set last, that is some, some stupid thing, doesn't mean anything. And I'm like, hmm, I'm going to change the privacy setting to only me. Or like, I would delete <laughs> it, you know, I would like, hmm. Even this, like, you know, like... But that's okay. So you're getting the power back, right? They're giving you a choice to remove that from... Or, or you're becoming a coward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe, you know, yeah. that's exactly what, I, what I'm... Because, like, um, I, growing older, you know, like, learning more, the more you learn, the more you experience things, and the more you learn about people, the more you learn... Uh, the more you meet new people, you learn new things, and the more you want to become better versions of yourselves, right? But then it adds up to something like it becomes an impossible standard then to mm. constantly be be better than you were before all the time. Especially with the amount of things that we learn like in the in the internet every single day and things are happening and the world is changing so quickly. And because of the internet we learn things more at a much faster pace. Um yeah. yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah, but and, and also, because uh, if you kind of give up, I mean, because Sim is so well-groomed, I have to be slovenly because I, <laughs> I can't possibly ever match that. So I'll go the other direction and he'll never want to match me. Everyone is their own self and they can take their own journey being better at your own pace. Yeah, because it doesn't mean yeah. anything, right? It doesn't, yeah, it yeah. doesn't mean anything yeah. in the end, right? It, yeah, it It's all just about being viral, guys. <laughs> yeah, and we come back to the... Come back to the beginning. So, uh, well, that <clears throat> brings us to the end of this week's show. Uh, Sabrina, one, <laughs> at the end of each time you're on, I feel like saying, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, 
so uh, are we kind of the last part of the show? Recommendations. Re- recommend something that we think might be of interest. And Sim goes first. Um, okay, so uh, I recently just got Disney+. Plus. And uh, Cam, I know you're a big Star Wars fan. Uh, I'm not going to be talking about the Obi-Wan series, but actually there is another series, another Star Wars series that I think is really cool. It's called Star Wars Visions, where they've worked with Japanese studios and different directors to release these small mini episodes of um, anime-inspired interpretations of their own Star Wars stories. They don't really have any connection to the Star Wars timeline and everything. They're just, you know, different artist styles. And their short stories, some of them don't even have any conversations and i think it's really cool and i think if you're a star wars fan um you should definitely check it out okay um yeah and if you've got disney plus then you should definitely check out the uh peter jackson's get back on the beatles oh it, yeah yes. 18 hours i think it is and, and, and that, that's what you should be watching on disney plus um okay so that's um what's it called the the star, star, star wars, wars visions yeah it's really great it's 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 just it's uh, it's cartoon now, okay. It's cartoon, so yeah. if you don't like anime, cartoon, too bad. I think, yeah. I think anime, anime, yeah, yeah anime, animation, animated movie, uh, animated series. But it's really cool. I mean, there's one story that I really like. Uh, I I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically this like Jedi, uh, young Jedi in Tatooine. Uh, but it's actually about him becoming a musician. Hmm. Okay, awesome, right? Yeah. Is it kind of like the Star Wars version of What If? Yes, yes, but what if it's like playing on different dimensions? This mm. is just this might be taking place in this part of the universe, like yeah. Uh, okay, great. So uh, my recommendation is it's a book. It's actually it's a really big, thick book, and if I do finish it, it could be the thickest book I've ever read. But it's really good. I've just started it. It's called The Boundless Sea: A Human History of the Oceans by David Abulafia. And I think that's how you pronounce it. It's uh, it's uh, been a winner of the Wolfson History Prize, which is the kind of the Booker Prize, but for history books. And it's it's really good, and it's history from the beginning, but about humankind's uh, journeys and relationships with the sea on the sea. So uh, one aspect which is good about this is that the Malays are going to get a look in and invariably in histories world histories any kind of history the malays never get mentioned and and they play uh, uh they will play a big role in 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 this book so i'm, I'm looking forward mm. to that my dad uh, will like that book i'm sure uh yeah yeah um, well I, I don't know your father <laughs> and um buy it for him he, he'll be very pleased it's it's really good it's really good so that's um the boundless sea a human history of the oceans by david abulafia and uh, finally, Sabrina. Uh, so my recommendation was recommended to me uh, by um, Rama, who we all know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Rama Pauzi. Yeah. So uh, she um, uh, there's there's this um, documentary on Al Jazeera called um, I think it's online. You can look for it online. It's under their program called Witness. So it's called Hillbilly. Um, Hillbilly Beyond the Stereotypes in the Heart of USS Appalachia. And it's really interesting because um, it's about this filmmaker who goes back to her hometown um, in rural Kentucky, I think, uh, to sort of like look back on the hillbilly stereotype um, that, you know, is, is, is very kind of like prevalent in media and portrayals of the hillbilly as being um, uneducated, or, you know, always in poverty and things like that. And she's like, as as a filmmaker, as a progressive uh, filmmaker as well, and um, going back to her uh, hometown and also, you know, 
talking with her family members, uh, having political conversations with them. So there's this one scene where she it was sort of around the time of the 2016 uh, U.S. elections. So the whole Trump versus Hillary thing. And then she sat down and, and talked with her family about that. And her family were um, Trump supporters and they voted for Trump. And then they had these hats and these shirts on. And they were talking about um, why, you know, why they uh, voted for him or like, you know, how, how their experiences are and, you know, what, what, how that t- t- makes sense for them. Because it's like easy to kind of like discredit people as, you know, racists or bigots or just uneducated and things like that. But there's, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's just really yeah, cool. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, it's part of, part of um, U.S. history that I, that I didn't really know anything about. Um, but yeah, Hillbilly on Al Jazeera. I think you can Google it. It should be there. Oh, cool. Um, and um, it's so far removed from Malaysia, isn't it? It's just... <laughs> well, I mean, you could take it... it it, it, you can see the parallels mm. of what happens here. Yeah. You, you, you mm. see the parallels of what happens in this region, right? Where those that are perceived as rural, uneducated, make less money or in the the segment of lower caste, right? You you know, those of us that live in the Bangsa bubble and, you know, the city, right? When we go like, why do we, why do they vote for this guy? Why do they vote for this party, right? Mm, mm. You know, they're, they're obviously so corrupted. They've stolen so much money. You know? But you forget that for these people, what they see and what they care about is what they can touch and what they can feel, right? Yeah. Did you, you know, were you able to sort of transpose it to uh, Malaysia when you were watching it? Yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely like parallels in that sense. Uh, not to make it completely kind of, uh, of course, the context is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, like, I, think, I think it's just it's just kind of like, it's not that it's all that they know, but these people do experience a lot. They, they're very intelligent people, so we can't like you know. Mm. You can't just write them off. Yeah. yeah, the same way as everyone. Like um, you make your own choices and make your own decisions. Everyone you know um, has a consciousness of their own. So even though it doesn't quite you know gel with the way that you've been um, taught and raised, it's you know uh, it shouldn't be that you, you discredit them immediately. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That way. Oh, I can check it out. Hillbilly on Al Jazeera. Mm. Part, part mm. of the it's, witness. It's online. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, that brings us then to the end of this week's show, where I think um, we learned. What did we learn? Uh, Nothing. Uh, everything's meaningless. Everything's meaningless, <laughs> and you got to make a TikTok about it. Yep. And, and reassess yourself worth. And reassess yourself worth. Disappear. Just don't exist. It's Done. just fine. It doesn't right. matter. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you very much to Sabrina Yusuf. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Simway Woon. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. And you know, whenever Sabrina's on, I, I just I kind of I, I I learn I learn new things. And uh, but Sim, you're actually you're actually quite close in in age. But you, uh, I feel like you're more like my generation. I don't know why. Me? Yeah, you're not. Are in you? What way? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, uh, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> I think because you're past that point, that twenty-seven that I was talking. Yeah, about. yeah, I think so. Like just now when you were saying that whole like. You you know at twenty seven you have five cells right I I you know when I was young, younger when we used to work together, you know there was that constant need to search for an identity right there was that constant want to mm. try new things to try new clothes to try a new image right uh, but at this point in my life where I'm entering my early thirties right you kind of like settle you've yeah. settled and, and actually okay this this is I I read something it's a survey um for men okay I don't know how it applies to women but for men, um. When they are 50 and above and they look at the mirror, 
most apparently most of the times they are actually projecting what they used to look like at 30. Okay. So what you look like at 30 will be the the image of what you kind of like always remind yourself of as you grow older, which is why it's important for men to really, really start taking care of their health at an early age. Because if you continue to, you know, um, just eat and consume whatever irresponsibility and you become unhealthy, right? You know, there's no turning back from that. Oh, wow. Okay. So, that, so that mental stop, snapshot, yeah, but that stop, mental stop snapshot sets your 30. It's too late. That's so crazy because that... ruined everything for me. For, girl, for <laughs> girls, that starts at like 13. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel so. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, well, on that happy note, Sim, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> we come to the end of this week's show and uh, please join us next week for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.